It's Fox Top 5, the podcast where the hosts always agree to disagree. This week on Fox Top 5, Emily Campagno. We left that theater, we were so terrified. And Jimmy Fallon. It's like a really debauched, weird dream. Come together to share their top five scary movies. Here are this week's hosts, Emily and Jimmy. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Fox Top 5. I am Jimmy Fallon, host of Fox Across America. And today I am joined by the co-host of Outnumbered, the host of Crimes That Changed America on Fox Nation. Uh, my on-again, off-again drinking pal, Emily Campagno is here. Hello, Emily. Only off-again, Jimmy, if you end up, you know, face down on someone else's lawn and I have to just, for the protection of the brand, make it home safely on my own. Just <laughs> just well, this is the funny thing, okay? You and I are both big horror movie enthusiasts and we're here to discuss horror movies and that's what we do every week on this podcast fox hosts reporters the personalities they get together they share their top five of any given topic given that it is spooky season emily because halloween is here uh we wanted to celebrate uh by getting the popcorn into the microwave turning all the lights off and putting on our favorite horror movies now the funny thing this disclaimer i want to give to people is as good of friends as we are and as much as we love horror movies we have never actually watched horror movies together why because every one of our nights out is a horror movie is it not (laughs) we're busy filming our own in real time that's exactly right and then once in a while we throw in watching comedies yeah you usually sleep through while me and your wife and your son Stay awake, eat popcorn, eat the remainder of the chocolate cake, and enjoy the film from beginning to credits while Jimmy takes a nap on the couch. That's usually how it goes. Okay, true true that. Uh, And you conveniently omitted the part where a cop is face-palming you into a paddy wagon, and that's fine. This is a Fox product. (laughs) We're trying to keep it above board. Uh, But here's the thing. Okay, what everybody needs to know is that our commitment to horror movies per se is such that we're actually putting together a showing, a screening of The Exorcist with some of our pals uh, not too far away from Fox News headquarters coming up uh, later this month. And uh, can you confirm that I'm still invited to that? Because we had a pretty contentious interview on my show this week. You're definitely invited and you have to be because I can't yet work the technology of getting the showing together. So I'm relying on you, number one, to get it hooked up. But the best part, too, is that nobody narrates Michael Jackson's full-length thriller video like Jimmy Fallon. And before I'm showing the full-length Exorcist, we are showing the full-length thriller video. Sort of like, you know, if you go to the movie theater, you watch a couple previews, it gets you in the mood. We are watching in my building's awesome screening room. It just seats 11 people in these awesome chairs. We're going to start with a thriller video. We're going to get us in the mood and then we're going to the exorcist. So absolutely, you'll have to be there front and center because I'm relying on you to MC the thriller video. This is, by the way, this uh, this was sold to me as a hang. And now I'm in charge of technology and I've got to give a speech. Like, can I I get any coin out of you for this appearance? (laughs) This is crazy. You better come through. You're getting a really good bottle of bourbon that I brought back from Nashville when we all did the Gutfeld show there. You were there. I don't think you remember the rest of that night, but I I got us a good bottle of bourbon. So, yeah, that will be your present. Well, I can't object because Fox pays me in bourbon, too. So why would I draw the line now? (laughs) Um, Without further ado, Emily and I are going to share with you our top five horror movies. Oh, I'm excited to hear yours. So take it away, Em. Number five. What was your number five? All right, Jimmy. So number five is the Blair Witch Project. 
1999 film, Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez both wrote and directed it. And here's why it's on my top five. That summer, 1999, I was actually living in Manhattan. I was a, a summer school student at NYU. And my older sisters lived here too. And that night we all were like, oh my gosh, a new horror film is out. You know, the three of us love horror films, just like you and I do, Jimmy. So we went to the showing Lower Manhattan. And we didn't know at the time that it was fiction. None of us knew. And, you know, that was that was like in the early days, I feel like, of the Internet. Right. That was before social media. That was before fact or fiction spread like wildfire. And all we knew was that this film was like awesome. Mm -hmm. So we're watching this show. We're watching this movie and we didn't know that it was fiction. And I'm getting chills just talking about it. We were so terrified. And it sort of, you know, you would have to read through to the credits to the very end where it says, like, this is based, you know, legally compliant films have to say this is based on fiction. We left that theater. We were so terrified. The the budget imagery that worked toward the effectiveness of the film, Mm. of these kids that were lost in the woods, that were being hunted, essentially, by a malevolent spirit that led to their death, man, Mm. it was impeccable and i was so scared that i went home with my sisters and i slept in my sister's bed with her like clutching her all night because there's no way i was going to go home to my house alone like i was like oh my god like she went to the bathroom like i'm coming with you i'm not leaving anyone shy because there was nothing more terrifying than the notion of the spirit that could follow you and these kids in the woods that it could happen to anyone they stumbled upon and it you know resonated with us too because we grew up in the 80s we were doing stuff like this all the time you know yeah. following the white witch in tilden park and and sort of exploring <laughs> yeah there was always like an urban myth and the, yeah you drive yeah, to this we if were you, doing that all the time you drive to this bridge and flash your headlights three times a woman comes out of the tree with a severed head like that whole thing yep 100 wow. it was the blair witch project man that first showing in the theaters nothing will rival that theater. well oddly enough your explanation was longer than that first showing in the theater so there is something to oh, rival. for god's sake oh am i gotta give you a sorry that time. i provide good material you did you gave good content no you actually gave good sorry. content that was that was more uh substantive than anything i'm about to say so on some level i just resent you and i'm expressing that uh subconsciously <laughs> but uh no in general though i i did love that movie it did not make my list uh when i went back and revisited it today to prepare for this the shoddy production value it just makes me feel like i'm watching newsmax so I, I omitted it. But we move on. My number five. My number five, Emily Campagno, was uh, the 1980 horror film The Shining, uh, a Stanley Kubrick adaptation of a Stephen King screenplay, uh, a Stephen King book anyway. And here's an interesting fun fact that a lot of people don't know. Uh, Stephen King did not like the movie version of the book The Shining. He actually resented Stanley Kubrick's work, which is odd because pound for pound, it's probably one of the most quotable horror movies ever. I mean, it's iconic. Here's Johnny and all of that. But the reason I went with The Shining is I was trying to find like parallels between movies and, and, and you know, our own experiences, both consuming them and, and living in this modern 2021 year that we're living in. And The Shining really is, when you think about it, it's just lockdown before lockdown. You know, because he goes up to the resort. They're the only ones there. They're locked inside for the winter and he loses his mind. So it could have been called the Fauci because there's a lot of people that had that same experience where like by day three, they were out of Tiger King episodes and it was just time to turn and kill your family. So I think the parallels between The Shining and what we all just experienced are right there. So I gave The Shining the five spot. 
I really appreciate and respect you putting it there. It made it on my cutting room floor. I have it in my notes. At, like it, it, it made it onto the paper, but it's just in the discard pile. If this was top 10, it would have been on my list of, list, of course, for the iconic nature of it. But I just, as you as you will hear as we proceed with our, the rest of our picks, mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to be, I just wanted to throw in some uh, some I ones think, that really impacted my life. The well, Shining did top 10, but not top 5. No, I, I'm glad I, it impacted yours. I know, I, I agree a thousand percent. And don't feel like you owe me an explanation for every one of these. Okay, fine. <laughs> People are like, are they really friends? Yes, we are. Number four, Em, what's your number four? <laughs> number four. Okay, so no surprise, it's The Exorcist. Now, everyone knows this was a 1973 film directed by William Friedkin, and it was based on a 1971 book by William Blatty. Now, something, something that people may not know about it is that it was the first horror film to be nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture. And it was nominated for 10 Academy Awards. It took home Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Sound. Mm -hmm. And this is a pretty cool thing about it. It was the highest grossing R-rated horror film of all time, adjusted for inflation until the 2017 release of it. Now, you and I are both super big fans of Stephen King. And so a lot of, but I think for most of us that are super big devotees, uh, the film adaptations, unfortunately, pale, like, yeah, to in the book. large the film's absurd. to the actual work. I, yeah, I thought the film was absurd. absurd. So if we were doing, 100%, if we were doing the top five horror books, then it would have been on it for me. But that's why, in part, also The Shining didn't make it on and Carrie and, and it whatnot. But The Exorcist remains, I think, inarguably, the visual nature of it, the, the the fact that to this day I get chills when I think about, you know, the the, the head spinning, the mm-hmm. creepy backwards crawling down the stairs, which made it into the re-release that included never before seen footage. Yeah. The fact that it was literally like people had reactions to it in the theater. People were like dying and having seizures and being like committed to the mental hospitals because yeah. it was well, so shocking to the conscience. To, well, and you'll see that for me, what I particularly love about horror films, like what, what frightens me the most is any type of Faust or any type of thing involving the devil, possession, demons, and the like. Mm-hmm. So this, you know, The Exorcist for me exemplifies things like Angel Heart, The yeah. Seventh Sign, right? Th- those were the kind, all of those yeah. that film under it. But I think to me, undeniably, The Exorcist is the greatest horror film of all time that encompasses the scariest notion which is possession man and the fact that the devil's out there and if he's if he's here there ain't nothing you can do about it (laughs) that's a good point uh i think it's a solid as solid of a breakdown on the exorcist as i've ever heard it is on my list but it is not number four number four for me emily is a film called Maximum Overdrive and this was a Stephen King movie that came out in 1986 that nobody saw you know how there's like movies that go straight to video this one went straight to the dumpster behind the studio but me and my brother Mike loved it because it's a basically a movie where technology turns against us so it's like it's and it's very basic rudimentary technology like a soda machine at one point there's a soda machine at a ball field and the soda machine just starts shooting cans of soda at everybody there and kills them all (laughs) 
<laughs> trucks are running people over. It's like a really debauched, weird dream. Uh, but I loved it so much. And again, it takes me to the present day where we have so much technology in our homes working against us, like the Alexa, you know, that's like spying on your conversations and <laughs> yes. putting ads. Yes. Like, again, if, if maximum overdrive happens with Alexa, she has every piece of dirt on all of us. You know, what we say about people behind their backs, things we do in our private homes, stuff like that. Like, I carry around a, a, a vial of arsenic because, heaven forbid, my Alexa turns state's evidence. I just have to chug it and die for my own safety. So, maximum overdrive. <laughs> and for the rest of our... Yeah, for you, of course. Quiet. For you more than anybody. Maximum Overdrive, my number four. The countdown continues after this. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Number three. What is your number three? Um, by the way, I've seen every movie Emilio Estevez is in, obviously. Oh, that's and right. again, that was based on a short story by Stephen King called Trucks, man. Yes. But I know that story well. I know it super well. Totally. 100%. All right. So my number three is Devil. M. Night Shyamalan's 2010 film Devil, mm -hmm. which is about essentially the whole thing takes place in an elevator, the entire film. And again, oh, I keep getting chills. I'm like literally freaking myself. This is like the kind of thing where after this, I'm gonna have to like sleep with the lights on. Um, that uh, the devil has possessed someone in this elevator. And at the end of the movie, you find out it's the person that you least expected. And it's what happens when the devil drops into a community, drops into a situation and the agitation that ensues and mm -hmm. ultimate the complete death and destruction. I mean, it goes from zero to like 3000 immediately, mm -hmm. but I thought it was one of his, his most brilliant films. And in terms of the horror aspect, hundred percent top five. And don't forget, by the way, on the, on the devil train, mm -hmm. the exorcism of Emily Rose would, would is also in my top 10 because my name is Emily Rose mm -hmm. and you guys, the audio for that movie was real. The audio of the exorcism of Emily Rose was actually taken from the actual exorcism of Emily Rose. So that just audially is the most terrifying thing of all time. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, listen, I did not see Devil, but I did go through a phase <gasps> as a kid. I've never seen it. Maybe we can add it to our feature at your screening room. You oh never know. Oh, my God. Uh, totally. you know, but I, you know, I feel you've, you've kind of sold me on it, but I did, when you made the comparison and you said the exorcism of Emily Rose, I thought you said the execution of Emily Rose. And I was like, that's a pretty, the real audio was you. I'm like, that's pretty intense. Sell. I'm always amazed at what an executive will green light. You know what I mean? It's like, I always laughed at them. I, I always laughed that someone got out of bed and thought it would be a good idea to walk into a room full of executives and pitch them something called human centipede. It's like who in their right mind, thought they could explain that and not get a yes. They were probably stunned when the people said yes. They were like, seriously? We were filming this as like a Borat prank. Oh my gosh, now we got to make the movie. So The Exorcism, I will put it on my list along with Devil. My number three, Emily Campagno, my number three was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The year was 1974. And of course, the cannibalistic spree killer Leatherface and his family uh, were terrorizing visitors. Uh, to their territories in the desolate Texas countryside. And I love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because it has a lot of awkward humor in it, too. 
when like the grandpa gets involved and, you know, grandpa ain't done a killing in 20 years, you know, that whole mess. And it's like there's this nerve wracking element to Chainsaw because it just really, oh, you, you, you are as uncomfortable as the people are. And it's not because you're feeling maybe the horror that they're feeling initially so much as you're just feeling that intellectual curiosity of like, what the hell is going on? And I happen to love this movie so much. It's probably the one I've seen more than any of them, uh, but I didn't make it into my top two for other reasons. So let's get to yours and we will get to mine. In Summer School, the movie Summer School, which is a lighthearted comedy with mm-hmm. like Mark Harmon and Kirstie Alley and stuff, mm-hmm. one of the characters in it insists everyone call him Chainsaw because he's obsessed with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> so while I actually haven't seen the original, mm-hmm. I feel like I know it because this other movie I grew up with loving like references it in every other scene about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> Number two. two. Number two. So this one, everybody brace yourselves because it was actually Disney, but it's The Watcher in the Woods, the oh. 1980 movie by John Huff with mm. Betty Davis in it. Mm. Oh my God, it's amazing. It's amazing. You would have had no idea that it's a freaking Disney film because it's the most frightening film of all time. And Betty Davis plays an eternally, amazingly corrupt, malevolent figure. So anything that she's in where she plays like the wicked one Mm -hmm. just steers into your brain and your soul as complete fear inducing. Watch her in the woods. It also has in it um, the Little House on the Prairie girl who ended up being in um, Kylie Davis. Kylie. Yeah, yeah like a real housewife. Uh-huh. Anyway, she's in it as a little girl. Mm-hmm. I quote it all the time to this day. I watch it at least once a year with my girlfriends. Mm-hmm. It is incredibly terrifying. And it's about what happens when, again, a group of friends get together and play around with a supernatural. One of them goes missing wow. uh, in a ritual that they were doing. And the question is whether or not will she ever come back and what happened that night. Wow. And uh, mm-hmm. it's incredible. And no, incredible. It's, it's, Watch her in the woods. It sounds dope. I will tell you this. Um, as a parent, okay, because I, I, you know, I obviously have a 12-year-old Lincoln Fela. Um, as a parent, every Disney movie is a horror movie because it means you're going to have to spend another like 600 bucks on toys that your kid will have no use for three <laughs> days after you buy them. Like every, like, dude, I'm not even kidding. Like when that, when that like last Toy Story came out, they gratuitously made a Toy Story 4 where the new, they just, they, bu- they busted out a new toy that was actually a fork. They were just straight up rubbing yeah. in t- parents' faces because you were paying for a plastic fork, which is something you could get anywhere for 13 cents at any fast food shop but they had the goal just to really spike the football and all the parents, yup, we're ripping you off one more time and this toy is going to cost us nothing and it's going to cost you everything. So I'm not signing up for another Disney horror film, but you made it sound great. My number two, Emily, is The Birds by Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, it's fantastic. It, the dark overtones of the birds just turn on everybody and they just eat everybody and the world goes to hell and the sky changes colors and there ain't nothing you can do about it. Uh, Hitch, uh, Hitchcock, of course, the master of suspense, really builds to a such a foregone conclusion that we all know is coming. It's almost how like they made Titanic riveting, even though everyone in the theater knew the boat was sinking the minute they sat down. Like the film is called The Birds. It's Albert Hitchcock. You, you know, like you're horrified when this thing goes sideways and it would almost be my number one, except I watched it at an age where I wasn't as vulnerable as what my number one is. So let's hear yours and I'll give you mine. 
I really appreciate that you have an Alfred Hitchcock on here. Between the two of us, we've done our, we've, we've repped well. Mm -hmm. Number. 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 Number one. Five, four, three. Number one. All right. This last one, you guys. The best movie of all time. Oh. The craziest, most horrifying movie of all time. Flowers in the Attic. Oh. 1987, directed by Jeffrey Boom. And it was based on the 1979 book by Z.C. Andrews, which if you are a girl in the 80s mm. and you read any V.C. Andrews, man, these books were insane. And the film doesn't disappoint. And it's basically, I mean, it has everything. The slow poison by a grandmother of her captive grandchildren in her home. The slow, like, dwindling away in starvation. Incest. I mean, it has, like, violence. It's insane. And it's this beautifully slow, dramatic, like, you know, you impart 50 sentences worth in just a look. The dramatic pauses. It was incredible. And being a, a growing up, watching this movie, culminating with the graves of the grandchildren in the Oh my God, I keep getting chills. It's incredible. The book is frightening as well, but the film Flowers in the Attic, get your sleepover friends ready. Everybody watch it on VHS. It's incredible. Dynamite. I love it. And it is a great movie and I agree and I feel remiss in not putting it on my list. But my number one horror film, the film that has scared me more than anything else uh, is Love Actually. Every time someone proposes <laughs> watching... <laughs> Every, every time someone proposes watching Love Actually, I feel a, a dread and a fear and a horror like nothing I can even articulate here on this podcast. And I know some might argue that it doesn't belong in this genre, uh, but as a straight man uh, who would prefer literally anything on this earth to a fate of being assigned to watch Love Actually again. I, I, I would be lying to myself if I didn't make it my number one film. Nothing has scared me more. Uh, and it's such a manipulative piece of crap where you just work music into a couple of developing storylines and everybody gets emotional. I would have respect for them, Em, if they remade this movie during the pandemic when everybody was just at home picking out all day and they made a rom-com called Love Handles, actually. I would watch that, would you? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm currently starring in it, but I'll say this. I love that movie. I watch it 10 times every December do. at a minimum. I listen to the soundtrack to this day all day, every day. Mm -hmm. And I would literally right now say yes to the marriage proposal of that guy that comes to the girl's house and like does the caroling. It, oh my God, it's the best movie of all time. Like it, this has, this makes me rethink our friendship, Jimmy, uh -huh. but I'll just watch it twice instead of you having to watch it once. But wait, I have a special favor to ask. Um, Since I messed up and put six here, I just have to say in my bonus film, which is sort of similar to you, which it was a little, I just wanted to end on a lighter note. Okay. And it's The Lost Boys. Okay. The 1987 film by Joel Shoemaker, The Lost Boys, to this day, best soundtrack, best acting, best point, best location, Santa Cruz, everything about, even though they call it differently, everything about The Lost Boys is an incredible, quote, horror movie that I think, um, you know, your kids can cut their teeth on in terms of the horror genre, but yeah. it's totally a family film and to this day remains one of my favorite films and horror genre of all time. Well, listen, Emily, it's one of the reasons we appreciate your passion and it's one of the reasons I was excited to have you on Fox Top 6 uh, this week. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. You're the best. Thank you to everyone for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Let us know your top five. 
You've been listening to Fox Top 5 on the Fox News Podcast Network. It's over. Pay up and get out. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.